welcome back to Showing Up, a podcast with your host Babs and Eve. Hello. And <laughs> dun, 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 dun. this is probably the most exciting week we've had this far on this podcast because it is Oscars Week. <laughs> As you probably know or don't know, Oscar, the Oscars ceremony is going to be on the 25th of April. And we are very excited for it because it's the first time we've had the Oscars, I guess, during the pandemic or for films that came out during the pandemic as well, which is very interesting. And the selection for the nominations is also very interesting because yeah. of that. Yeah, I think it's, it's the first time that we've not like I've not felt like involved in the hype because we've not been mm -hmm. like we've not seen films coming out in the cinema. We've just True. had to wait for them to stream or find them illegally or whatever. It's been so long, it's weird that it's like, oh, there are films that have been out and life is going on as normal, I guess, which is nice. So We also nice. don't notice any more films coming out as well. I was going to yeah. say test. I'm so into like my work right now. Test. COVID test. Yeah, we don't. I like I don't really look at release dates anymore for films no. because I don't have that expectation anymore of going to the cinema to watch them. They just come out on Netflix and I'm like, oh right, cool, that's cool. Like they're yeah. here. There I can is. watch them now. Yeah. yeah. So yes. Oscars week. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's also my birthday next week. Just gonna mention it. Yes. Um, so by the next time you hear me, I'll be 26. What? Oh my god. Oh my god. Are you feeling old right now, or like you're getting old? A little bit. But yeah. You you're young though. <laughs> I feel. I know. I know. But I think there's that weird thing, I guess, of you're edging closer to 30, and 30 feels like a big thing. Like I don't feel mm. it in me, but like it, like time is happening, and I'm very aware of that. <laughs> so it's just like whoa, and the, and years yeah. feel like they're going so quickly that. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like a year ago since my birthday, so. No, well, it was a particularly different year. Exactly, well, so. exactly. So they're not all going to be like that, but, but yeah. yeah. So it's a big week That's next exciting. week, basically. Yes, <laughs> it is. So, guys, since it's the Oscars week, guys and gals, uh, we decided to give you a little bit of a history behind the Oscars ceremony. So the official name for the Oscars is the Academy Awards. <laughs> and the first ceremony was on the 16th of May, 1929, which was nine, 91 years ago, just like a long ass time. And it was a banquet. It wasn't like this huge ceremony. It only lasted about 15 minutes and it was only to give the trophies to people and to say congratulations. Mm -hmm. You won this, but everybody already knew the results because they had, they had already been announced three months prior. And then there was that, an after party after the quote unquote uh, Oscars Ooh, ceremony. After party. After party. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then in 1930, they realized, oh, it's actually quite bad to release the results before. Mm. It's, I think it's more exciting if we release the, the results in the ceremony. So that's what they started to do. And they were sent the results to press at 11 p.m. And to release the following morning. And they would announce the Oscars winners during the night of the ceremony. 
and then in the morning the papers would release the winners of the, the Oscars but then in 1940 silly Los Angeles Times published the winners in its evening edition which meant that people arriving at the Oscars already knew who had won which was such a bummer <laughs> Oops. ruined the entire ceremony <laughs> So the they decided to after that just release the results of the of the winners I guess to the papers to the press the day after the ceremony and only and have the results in sealed envelopes which is exactly what they still do to this date when they read out the winners for the Oscars during the ceremony as I've already said, twice. <laughs> <laughs> the Academy then also officially adopted the name Oscar for the trophies in 1939. So it was just a trophy before it wasn't known as the Oscars. And But the origin of this nickname is quite disputed because one person claimed <laughs> that... Uh, when she first saw the award, it reminded her of her uncle Oscar. And this one person was the executive secretary of the Academy. Mm-hmm. And that she says that after that, everybody started calling the trophy Oscar. And then another person says that Academy employees had affectionately dubbed their famous statuesque Oscar. And there's really no, they don't know where the name came, comes from, but it was they just started calling the thing Oscar and then from then on really nobody calls it the Academy Awards and they just call it the Oscar ceremony and in 1934 Walt Disney was the first one to thank the Academy for his Oscar Mm. during his acceptance speech and so the legend began and so people just started calling it Oscar really Mm. that's very interesting yeah but officially it was in 1939 that they started calling it Oscar Statuette. <laughs> yes. So um, so to the statuette itself, the well-known award, which is the Oscar, uh, which is given out to everyone that wins in their category, um, is actually called the Academy Award of Merit. Um, but as Bab said, for whatever reason, it was lovingly called the Oscar and has remained so. So that, you know, everyone, everyone just talks about it as the Oscars, don't they? Nobody really goes to the yeah. effort of saying, oh, the Academy Awards are tomorrow night. It's like, oh, the Oscars are tomorrow night. Um, mm-hmm. So the statue itself is made of gold-plated bronze on a black metal base, which is 13.5 inches tall. <laughs> Very interesting fact. <laughs> Good to know everyone. Get your rulers out. So, oh, you'll need your scales. Measure your awards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It weighs about 8.5 pounds, but for anyone that lives in the in the in the modern day, that's three in logical three, days. Yeah. That's or I guess non-Americans, Europeans, I guess. But that's the award. It weighs about 8.5 pounds, um, three, which is 3.856 kilograms. And it, <laughs> and it depicts a knight, which I didn't know. Because he just looks like a bold man to me. Rendered in <laughs> he's art- Uncle Oscar. <laughs> yes, the bo- our bold Uncle Oscar. A knight rendered in Art Deco style, holding a crusader sword, standing on a reel of film. Again, didn't know that. With five spokes. 
the five spokes represent the original branches of the academy, so the actors, writers, directors, producers and technicians. Prior to 1950, Oscar statuettes were and remain the property of the recipient. Since then, the statuettes were legally encumbered by the requirement that the statuette was first offered for sale back to the Academy for one US dollar. If a winner refuses to agree to the stipulation, then the Academy keeps the statuette. So Academy Awards predicting, oh, sorry, Academy predate, Awards predate. predating this agreement have been sold in public auction and private deals for six figure sums, which I can understand, I guess, that even yeah. though they're gold plated, they're not, they're not obviously solid gold, but there's gold in them. And it's, I guess it's what mm. they stand for. Um, yeah, it's who will have the, the name on it. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. The name on the award. And then the rules of the game are, there are quite a few rules to the Oscars. I hadn't quite realised. And for you to actually submit a film, it has to be according to all of these specifications that they ask for. Mm -hmm. And it has to be in also in a certain format as well, and certain frames as well. Oh, wow. Really okay. strange, yeah. According to rules two and three of the official Academy Award awards rules, <laughs> a film must be open in the previous calendar year from midnight at the start of January 1st to midnight at the end of 31st of December in Los Angeles County, California, and play for seven consecutive days to qualify except for the best international feature film, best documentary feature, and awards in short film categories. Additionally, the film must also be shown at least three times on each day of its qualifying run, and with at least one of the daily showings starting between 6pm and 10pm local time. This is ridiculous rules, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, got, it's basically got to be popular. It's got to be, it's got to be popular enough to play at prime time, at least for yeah, seven consecutive days. Money. Yeah, yeah, money to make that happen as well. Mm -hmm. We'll get on to that, I guess, mm -hmm. in a little while when we talk about what we actually think. Um, so in terms of who votes in the Oscars, which is something that's obviously been talked about probably more than anything mm -hmm. in the last few years after like Oscars So White and the diversity scandals that have taken place. Um, but so, but so. So the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science is a professional honorary organization. So it maintains a voting membership of over 7,000 as of 2018. But I know they've just recruited something like another 200 for this year in an aim yeah. to push up the figures of, of diversity. Diversity. Yeah. So academy membership is divided into different branches with each representing a different discipline in film production. So actors constitute the largest voting block, which I find bizarre. Um, numbering 1,311 members, so that's 22% of the Academy's composition. So votes have been certified by the auditing firm PricewaterhouseCoopers <laughs> since these. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, Wikipedia. We'll yeah. make sure we keep thanking you for this. this video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not sponsored. Please don't do anything. Don't come for us. Since the seventh Academy Award in 1935, the firm mails the ballots to eligible nominees Oh, sorry, of eligible nominees to members of the Academy in December to reflect the previous eligible year with a due date sometime in January of the next year, then tabulates the votes in a process that takes thousands of hours, thousands of hours, 
Um, I've heard of people who I know who are on the board, like BAFTAs, and you get copies of the films to watch at home. Mm. And um, people pirate them. <laughs> so oh my I know God, a couple they? of people that get stuff. And then I guess I know it's like illegal. I can't exactly remember who it is, but I do remember at one point a friend being like, oh yeah, my mum's friend is on the panel and they get all the films so if you ever want to watch anything let me know and I was like cool okay but definitely illegal well Eve I need your contacts (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have I need to watch promising young woman (laughs) (laughs) I need to be friends with that person again who was it I can't remember should have made a note um so all AMPAS members must be invited to join by the board of governors on behalf of the academy branch executive committees Membership eligibility may be achieved by a competitive nomination or a member may submit a name based on other significant contributions to the field of motion pictures. In 2012, the results of a study conducted by the Los Angeles Times were published describing the demographic breakdown of approximately 88% of AMPAS's voting membership. Ampas. <laughs> Ampas. Ampas's voting membership. Of the 5,100 plus active voting, active voters confirmed, 94% were Caucasian, white, 77% were male, and 54% were found to be over the age of 60, which is even more boo than over the age of 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 33% of voting members were former nominees and winners. So 19% of them were winners and 14% of them were former nominees. And voting's yeah. been online since 2013. And uh, I just did a bit of research. So this year, as we said earlier, they've made more of an effort to make uh, the awards more diverse, which I guess starts with the panel and voters. Absolutely. Um, So they've created a criteria, which I think BAFTA have been doing for a number of years, um, that basically each film has to hit in order to be Mm. even eligible for nominations. So in addition to what you were talking about with like, it has to be shown for a certain amount of time and blah, 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 which I'm guessing they had to make an exception for this year. Um, Yeah. But interestingly, for all of those things that have to hit these diversity marks, um, it's only going to take place as of 2024. So for some reason- 2024? Yeah, for some reason they can't quite do it yet, Um, but it'll happen as- we want to take humans to Mars? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So they're clearly on a similar timeline to NASA. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was weird. Yeah, which one's more difficult to achieve? I don't know. I don't know. So they're all going to be, they're going to lack diversity uh, for the next three years. But anyway, uh, yeah. So so that's a little bit of history, a little bit of background. Uh, If anyone's Mm -hmm. more interested, you can also go on Wikipedia uh, because that's what we're telling you. full of stuff. It's full of stuff. (laughs) But obviously I think... The, the veil has come down in the last few years because I think it's so popular. People want to know how it's, how it's run, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so I think they're having we to be a bit more... transparency yeah, yeah. on how, how it's being run, who are the voters, why do people... Why is there a separation as well between international films and n- normal films category, yeah. best yeah. picture category and international it's, it's amazing yeah I'm actually really upset that about like the white tiger why it was not nominated for best picture I don't understand I know a lot of people are talking about how they think that the actor actress split will be eradicated as well or whether it should be eradicated or how to play that in a sort of more non-binary world that we live in whether we should be mm-hmm. saying well you're you're the best woman I know because I know a lot of actresses 
like to be referred to as actor um mm-hmm. I know like Kate 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 <laughs> Kate Blanchett she I think I know that she likes to be referred to as an actor rather than an actress because I guess the 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 rest bit at the end tends to womanify in like historically make things seem like it's just like oh well you're like a like a songstress or like you know there's they they add it yeah like you know these there's like there's a profession and then there's the profession r-e-s-s which is like oh you're not part of the profession you're a female version of this job oh right I think some people object to that well that's for me that really doesn't mean anything because I come from a language that has feminine and masculine so for me that just makes perfect sense but I guess Mm. for you guys you're not so used to it so yeah we yeah we don't have that do we yeah that's a good point yeah for me just calling actress is not an insult it's just like you're a female and you're an actress that's the female (laughs) word yeah it's just a female word for actress or actor actor yeah yeah Yeah, interesting but I wonder if that's going to happen I feel like that probably won't happen I don't know whether there'll be a lot of objections to that but we'll see we'll see Mm. But in terms of what we think about the Oscars, yes. what are your thoughts generally? Like, do you watch them every year? Do you like follow the buzz? Like, what what's your thing with them? I used to follow them a little bit more when I was younger. And I think after uni, I just kind of stopped following as much. But I, I did pay attention to like who won and everything, but not religiously. And then... Yeah, this year I, I I got really into it and I was just mm. watching everything I could um, legally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some things I couldn't find. <laughs> um, but in terms of the voting, I never quite understood why some 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 films were selected, and even in, in this edition, I don't know why some films have been nominated for some categories that I think are just not, not stories that should be awarded because I've I mean this is very harsh because I've I've seen these stories before I've heard these stories before and it's not it's not a new story it's not something new I know like most stories have been said already and written already blah 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 everything's a remix etc but you can tell it in an original way and I just don't think some of these films were told in an original way or in a in a way that was enough to get an Oscar or nominated for an Oscar, and I think there is a lot more films out there that I've seen this year that should have been nominated for an Oscar and weren't, mm-hmm. and I just don't understand. And it gets me thinking. Well, maybe there was some lobbying happening because how else would this have been nominated for for something? So yeah. Like, do I give examples or do I leave that for? No, later? yeah, give an example. Okay. Give an example, yeah. For example, let's see here. I think you've done more example, research on them than, than I have. So yeah, you mm. you take it. You take it. For example, News of the World, directed by Paul Greengrass. I was kind of half watching it because it didn't capture my attention, and I don't know why that was not. Okay, that was nominated for production design. But I, that didn't captivate me at all. But maybe there weren't enough films out there released this year that were good enough for production design nomination. But I don't know. 
I just didn't feel like literally the first thing I, I thought when I saw the film was like oh I wouldn't have shot it, shot it like that I wouldn't have mm. I would have changed this the scene the scenario and everything like yeah. I wouldn't have shot in this grass or like in this patch of land or mm-hmm. anything so very interesting uh interesting stuff also the sound of mesa was a good film but i don't think it should have been nominated for an oscar Ooh, Ooh, controversial i don't think it'll win but we'll get we'll get into that i don't think it'll win either that's why i'm saying i don't i think it's an indie film as Mm -hmm. an indie film it's quite good and it should have won something like at Cannes festival or something like that a smaller festival not the oscars I don't think it should have been nominated even. I'm sorry. Like, no, it's a good well, film, but like... Yeah. Well, this is what I think is interesting because I think, and this is probably why I like... See, I personally, if something won a can, I'd take it way more seriously than the Oscars. Really? Yeah, because mm. I think the Oscars are for... More com- commercial. Commercial films. And I think this is why, like... I'll get on to what I think, but yeah. It's interesting because, yeah. Like, I was just having a quick look at Paul Greengrass because I was like oh I recognize his name so mm. he he's done he's been nominated for 15 Academy Awards already um Gosh. so fourth yeah so six for Captain Phillips which is a great film um but like you know it's Tom Hanks film it. uh and then, Tom Hanks is great by the way <laughs> he, he is great but it's it's a great yeah. film but it's 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 a Hollywood blockbuster like it's a Hollywood yeah. film um and then before that he got three for he got he was nominated for three and won three for the Bourne Ultimatum, and I do love the Bourne films, but again, I hate the Bourne films. Do you? <gasps> I hate them so much. I've, I haven't seen them in years, but I, I used to love them. But now I'm like I've gone off Matt Damon ever so slightly. I feel like he's just he's like, <laughs> it's just too everything. much, too many, too many Bourne Ultimatums. Yeah, Bourne. yeah, yeah oh, Ultimatums. Like... <laughs> <laughs> too many Ultimatums. <laughs> and that's it. I think the White Tiger should have been really just best picture nominated for best picture because it's amazing and I don't know why I guess I understand why it was nominated for best adapted screenplay but I think it it should also have been nominated for best picture yeah it's amazing like I think it should have won all of the Oscars (laughs) I'll have to watch it I'll have to watch it yeah and the midnight sky is literally the bet the same story as news of the world but yeah, I'll had, get to that I've later. Seen, yeah. But yeah, in terms of what I think about the Oscars, mm-hmm. so similar to you, I so I used to like when I feel like before I did my degree and I was like mm-hmm. interested in film before I knew anything particularly about the industry, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I'd never stay up to watch it, but it was like something interesting that I, you know, I was a little bit less stubborn and like cynical about stuff. So I just kind of watched the films and it was interesting to see but I didn't really think anything about like who voted or whether someone deserved it or any, anything like that. I just thought, Oh, cool. Okay. Well, they've done really, really well. Like good for them. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of stopped paying attention altogether. Um, and I don't know whether that was because of what had happened with like Oscar so white and, and that kind of thing. And I think as well, becoming aware that there's still such an inequality in terms of mm. like the female directors, like I know Chloe yeah. Zhao is probably going to win mm-hmm. um, for Nomadland, but 
like I'm a massive Greta Gerwig fan and Lady Bird I think is a fantastic film and she was nominated I think for that and I don't know if Little Women I think Little Women was maybe nominated for score I think and, and something else like adapted screenplay maybe or she was up for best director or something um but she wasn't going to win and she didn't win and I remember just thinking she's there which is amazing but she doesn't need this like who who is she who does she need to prove to oh well I've been nominated for an academy award like what so all the men who have got like 12 nominations under their belt can be like oh okay well I guess we can take you seriously now um which is probably very cynical of me but I don't know like I kind of feel like it would have more weight if it was like a private industry event like similar to I guess to what it was before you know like Mm. where you have these obviously there's like tons of film festivals all over the world that sort of specialize in different things but I know there's a lot of awards that aren't massively televised and they're not for they're not for the general public to watch so you think if it was more of an industry a closed industry yeah just yeah um, exclusive to industry people yeah like they would have more credit I don't know I just feel like I feel like unless you're gonna have it completely equal and be some super transparent and then like don't show it to everyone as if this is like the pinnacle of the film year it's like it's not mm. it's it's this it's always bit like it's it's so it, you know it was founded when it was literally just men making films about there was one woman i think one yeah woman in the yeah time. like it, it was made such a long time ago and i know they're making strides to to change that but i just think it you shouldn't be broadcasting it to the world like this is some event it's it's yeah like it's a gala event isn't it which I know that they and there's nothing wrong with that but I don't know I just feel like maybe I don't I just don't I think in in the world of film that I respect it's not relevant anymore um Mm. and that's not to say it won't become relevant again and like you I like to see who's won and I like to see that and if someone that I follow has been nominated it's like that's amazing because like good for them they've been noticed but it mm-hmm. like the likelihood is they won't win and like this I don't know there was just something really cringy when I watched the Oscars I think last year when Greta Gerwig was there when you just like knew she wasn't gonna win and it was like oh mm. Greta Gerwig's here she's here for this film oh that's amazing and you just think she's she like I don't it just felt really like do you think it, it felt forced is that, yeah. is that what it is she was just put put up for a nomination just to represent women or something well that's the thing you don't know yeah because yeah. I think her films were amazing but you know was 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 that because they thought that too or were they like right you have to pick a female nominee like I just I, mm-hmm. I wonder because I know that you know the criteria are put in place like with the BAFTAs to make it more inclusive as a standard but I won I don't know I just think when someone's calling out the lack of diversity in something why how can you justify continuing to give awards out to people when mm-hmm. when the, the same people keep winning like it's a bit boring after a while like the same big budget films and like like yeah. I'll go on to speak about it like so um I think it's called Husevik is uh which is from the Eurovision film via the mm. like the the film of Fire Saga, whatever story of Fire Saga, which I actually really enjoyed, but that song is up for a best original song, but mm. also a, a song from Soul, which is a pic- 
Disney Pixar film. Mm. And I remember just thinking, like, if Disney Pixar win, like, like I just remember, I, I think when I saw the BAFTAs and, and Soul won for best animated film against all those really interesting, arty, like, illustrations, you just think, are we going to, mm. do we need to keep praising these people? Because if you win an award, you'll sell more tickets, basically, like, I think. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I just have mixed feelings about it. I, I, you know, I don't know. But I think I know what you mean. So yeah. you're saying that why put films that haven't been so high budget, so commercialized up with films that have been really commercialized and really high budget and with these really huge production companies behind them if it's just got to be the commercial ones to win the ones yeah. with the high budgets and everything else yeah and obviously just... like sound sound by disney is obviously going to be hard to beat <laughs> yeah that's what i think but having said that i have actually quite enjoyed this year particularly because we've not been able to go into the cinema seeing what the films are that people are talking about because it kind of makes your job mm. easier for you to be like oh cool well i guess i'll put this on because i want to see what all the fuss is about but having yeah. said that, I've sort of chosen to watch, I guess, like less obvious ones mm-hmm. because most of the obvious choices you have to pay for, like Nomadland, yeah. which is a shame. Exactly. Um, but anyway, exactly. that's how I feel about it. But having said that, I am looking forward to discussing discussing it because it's film and we love film. So Yes, we do. But anyway, All did right. you have a chat about Midnight Sky considering, or News of the World, whichever you fancy? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me say about Midnight Sky first. Okay. So... I watched Midnight Sky, which is which was directed by George Clooney and nominated for Best Visual Effects. And I guess, yes, it's a sci-fi film, so obviously visual effects is going to be a huge part of it. And definitely it was good. I, I think it sh- should have been nominated for that category. And also, I don't know why it was not nominate- nominated for Best Production Design, because they had to create a whole new environment, right? A whole new... Mm-hmm world i guess based off the story and a whole spaceship based off everything that sci-fi entails so i don't know how it was not nominated for that and how bloody western news of the world was i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand why even news of the world is in the <laughs> but anyway Anyway, so about Midnight Sky, I found the background story actually a little bit confusing. You know, I thought like before I watched this film, I used to think, oh, maybe they don't need to tell everything in the film. They don't need to tell it through like the lines that they say and blah, blah, blah. But this one left me so confused. I was like, I wish they had given me some context of what the heck is (laughs) happening to the earth. Because like you get no context at all. You're just like trying to grab a little bit of like information of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And you just see the story like, progress and just was like I have no idea what's happening besides what's happening with these characters right now which I understand that was their point to not focus so much on the backstory and the sci-fi aspect of it but like it's more intriguing because you're like in space <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you gotta please the nerds right yeah. like what happens uh, so you have to go to space <laughs> yeah exactly so let me tell you a little bit of, about the story of the film so the film begins in a station in one of the poles. I don't remember which one it was. I don't know if it was North or South Pole. I don't remember. And with people fleeing Earth 
to go to Jupiter's moon, I think called K23, mm -hmm. because something that wasn't said was happening to the earth, no idea what it was. And one man was left behind, a man who was terminally, terminally ill, played by George Clooney, who also happens to be the man who discovered K23 back in the day, which back in the day in this film is nowadays. So okay. it's really odd. So it's set in the okay. future. I think right. it's set in 2049 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So essentially, this film shows you uh, flashbacks of and the flashbacks are set now yeah and the guy is like our age so i was like oh that's freaky as hell like, <laughs> yeah i don't want to oh know my <laughs> gosh i'm gonna be his age when i'm like in, in 2049 <laughs> i'm gonna be george clooney's age and um yeah it turns out that after everybody leaves he discovers a little girl that is left behind with him and this little girl does, does not speak she just looks at him like Link, help me. <laughs> okay. At the same time, this the spaceship that took people to K twenty three. This like this huge ass spaceship that back in the day took people to K twenty three is returning back to Earth for God knows what reason because they don't say. <laughs> Brilliant. Great, <laughs> love it. Yeah, I have no idea what's happening. Like legit. Mm -hmm. uh, in the in the ship, there's this main woman who's pregnant and who is also the comms person for the whole ship. So she tries to co contact Earth again, but she can't contact Earth because of something that's happening. And she can't communicate with anybody on Earth. Apparently, like there's nobody on Earth to communicate with. And you get John, George Clooney back in this spall with this girl that was meant to be on this other ship going back to the big ship that <laughs> I'm very confused. Okay. <laughs> that was supposed to be on the ship to go outside of Earth to go to K23. But they left without her. So he's like trying to get contact, get in contact with that ship that left so they could come back together. Does that make any sense? If Not you're really. I'm confused. I'm confused. I haven't seen it and I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> but do go on. So so in the beginning of the film, there was this ship leaving and he was left behind, right? Mm -hmm. And so right, it's okay. he thinks that the little girl was left there mm -hmm. that was meant to be on that ship going outside to this planet K-23 because something mm -hmm. else was happening to Earth. God knows what. And so George Clooney is on the ground. There's like this huge antenna there, but he can't contact for some reason this ship that just left mm -hmm. so he decides to go to a different station that is kind of nearby um with this little kid to try to communicate with somebody out there mm -hmm. to go come get her because she can't stay in, in earth so um they're in one of the poles so it's quite snowy so they take this I don't know, this mountain thing, uh, this motorbike mount, uh, like ice motorbike or whatever it's called, um, to this place. And then they get into trouble and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to tell too much. And then the spaceship back in, back in, that is coming back from K23, wanting to come back to Earth because of some reason that K23 is not working. Um, and they can't contact George Clooney and they have to go back to Earth. And so there's trouble in the in the journey to earth because they can't go through the route that they know so they have to go through a different route and then there's trouble there and that's essentially what happens in the film 
and then you get George Clooney gets there. I'm sorry, there's going to be spoilers in this episode. We should have said this before. I'm, I'm not going to be spoiling anything. Oh, well, I'm going to be spoiling all the beans. I'll anytime be Bab speaks, all... skip. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, go ahead. do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so George Clooney eventually gets to this new antenna uh, thingy. And yeah, that's the film over. Great. Essentially. Nothing happens. I, I have heard that it's a bit sparse. Odd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is really odd. And and it's meant to be about the story about him and his lack of relationship abilities back in the day, back in like the now, quote unquote yeah. now, and how he just like his regrets because he's got a terminal illness and blah 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 he's left behind so he's basically dying so it's like him facing life the life Mm -hmm. that he had and his regrets and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and so it's all about him the film essentially it's all about a guy and this little girl that doesn't speak so she can't answer back and go shut up (laughs) exactly leave me alone bitch You're dying. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go back to mama. <laughs> but yeah, then in the end, you see, like, what well, is the little girl? Who is the little girl, etc. Okay. Um. So it's just odd, and you want to know what the heck happened to Earth, and you just don't get any answer. And then the film ends in a really weird way. <laughs> God. It's just yeah, just in a really like emotionally disconnected way, and I just don't know, hmm. I don't know why, and if it was on purpose, or if it was just like bad directing or bad acting, or whatever it was, hmm. I didn't understand the ending and the lack of emotion in it. It was just weird. Yeah. But in terms of the visual effects, Defo should have won, should win, and. They were very seamless, and um, even if the film, the story isn't good, is the fact that it is sci-fi, and it's very hard for sci-fi films to come out. And if they do come out, it has to be a blockbuster, and it can't yeah. be like because it's so hard to do a sci-fi when yeah. it's indie because mm-hmm. you need yeah. big budget. It's proper B so movie just... looking then, if it's not. Is yeah. It? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like yeah, like spaceship what was it starship troopers or something oh, yeah. I, I imagine that had a big budget anyway um but it's just really nice for sci-fi lovers to see more sci-fi stuff being done even if the story does not relate to being in space but it's more about your human story mm. it's just for me even though the story isn't good i really appreciate the fact that it's sci-fi and more stuff like that is coming out and that uh, big studios are willing and open to the idea of coming out with more stories like that. So, mm. I'm so sorry. Uh, but yes, that was it for my rant about uh, the Midnight Sky. Lovely, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, you've not put me off it, actually. You've not put me off it. I think. No. I just need to lower my expectations. I think when you yeah. see it, so much, you know, people that make trailers now, they should be up for a bloody nomination for an Oscar because mm-hmm. they they're making the up stories from nothing. Yeah, literally. And, and but I think what I don't know. I wish I was less cynical because I think oh, this is a film directed by George Clooney, starring George Clooney, which is clearly about him being it's about George Clooney, an aging man. 
and knowing his life's going to end and thinking, oh, climate change is a thing. Maybe, maybe we'll say that the world's ending. Um, and I just don't find those stories appealing at all. But mm -hmm. someone obviously does. A lot of people obviously do. Enough people to put it in for a, a, a vote. But curiously... It's, it's all those over 60s voting. Yeah, all the over 60s blokes that are all going, that's like me, which is fair enough. Their, their <laughs> opinion's valid, obviously. All right. What about you? What has been a film that you've watched? So I think I'll start with My Octopus Teacher, which is up for best oh feature documentary, which I know you've seen. Um, oh, it was so good. It is so good. So it's available on Netflix um, and it actually became available on Netflix last year. But I hadn't seen it. Whether that was just the US Netflix, it's hard to tell on IMDb. But um, so the documentary is directed and written by Pippa Ehrlich. I'm going to say Ehrlich and James Reed. And uh, it follows this man called Craig Foster. And he is a South African wildlife documentary filmmaker. And he, uh, the film basically follows him after some kind of like undisclosed upset in his life. Like he talks about how the light, like the pace of his life was getting too much and he wasn't living his life anymore. He was just stressed. He wasn't sleeping, blah, blah, blah. His professional life was just taking too much of a toll on him. He kind of cuts all of that off and returns back to where he was most happy as a child, which is the sea. And he sort of takes a break and goes back to the water and he finds a little female octopus who lives there. Um, so it's a just it's so nice it's like so like magical I just think it's such a wonderful story um, and you basically again without giving like too much away because yeah just, like obviously like I won't yeah don't want to give too much away about the like intricate little stories that, that go on but you see Craig and this octopus like form a bond um, and like a man and an animal like understanding each other and relating to each other but yeah so it's a true story obviously um, and it's constructed, there's like retrospective interviews with Craig. So he's talking about his life, his experiences sort of cut throughout the footage that he actually shot in the water. And he shot for like, I think it's like over, uh, well over 200 days. It was almost like 300 yeah, it was days. Every it was day a whole, for a year. A whole almost, year. Yeah. yeah. So um, he visited this kelp forest, which was in a cove called False Bay which was near his house in South Africa. And yeah, it's this big kelp forest that basically like the Atlantic Sea was like, no, sorry, the Pacific. Atlantic. Atlantic, yeah, thank you. The Atlantic's like rolling in and it's very cold and it's like, they call this like Cape Storm. And he was talking about how it was all very dangerous, but this kelp forest creates like a stillness in the water around it. So he goes and has a swim there and he finds the octopus and the octopus's den. Um, and yeah, I guess this isn't a spoiler, I guess, but you know, it's real life. It's an animal. Most nature, you know, everyone dies. Um, so, you know, life comes to an end. So you kind of have to be prepared when you watch it that inevitably that'll happen. I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of knew that that would happen at the end. Yeah, like I mean, kind of what, guess. he did say that what the lifespan of the octopus was as exactly. well. Exactly. So. Exactly. So it's you yeah. Are set from the beginning. You're gonna yeah, like you know, how, you know, it's gonna happen. What this is for, and you can tell in the tone of his voice that it's it's a past thing that he's talking about. It's not present. <laughs> um, but yeah, like my dad was like in and out of it, and by the end he was crying. I knew he was. 
he wouldn't say it but he definitely was he was like (laughs) trying to swallow um choking a little bit um but it's not yeah it's not I don't think it was that sad like it was emotional but it wasn't sad like I didn't think it was sad I wasn't sat there like oh my god the injustice of it I was just like wow that's really amazing um but yeah it's just a story and a journey and it's lovely and fulfilling what are you laughing about with me and my explaining <laughs> you saying it wasn't sad I was like it's so sad <laughs> watching it <laughs> oh I don't think it was sad I don't think it was sad I just think it's just it's life and yeah, know, and yeah. instead of it just being like a, a sort of documentary where you're like oh this happens and then this happens and then oh my god it's dead it was like here's someone who has taken the time to think about and like reflect on what they've gained from this meaningful interaction and you just feel like it wasn't a waste of time it wasn't like isn't life isn't the you know the the natural world so harsh it was like Mm -hmm. kind of nice like I won't give away like too much of the detail but it's kind of full circle and you just feel like you know that's okay like mm-hmm. you kind of understand this like being and that it's okay it's like it's okay like it's fine like it ends and, and you're like oh that's that's yeah. that is sad but not injustice it wasn't like uh, someone's been murdered yeah. or something or or that animal was too young and they, they've been eaten by a leopard and god it's horrible um it wasn't that at all but well personally that's what I found but you learn a lot about octopuses as well mm-hmm that I I was I put on my notes by golly they are such impressive creatures and they are yeah. <laughs> they are they really are I never I knew like, they were so interesting yeah I was like yeah. I knew they were cool but I didn't really know anything about them uh but yeah so again I don't want to give anything away because I feel like the fun of it is being able to be like I did not know that um yeah so even if you're interested just in octopuses definitely watch it I feel like you would have watched it already if you liked octopuses octopuses octopus Octopus? i think it's 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 a it's like sheep isn't it i think it's just octopus or is it octopus i i I wrote i wrote down on my note octopuses and there was no okay well in that case octopuses um so it's just under (laughs) it's just under an hour and a half um so it's relatively short as i said it's on netflix um and even if yeah you're not like mad on nature documentaries which i'm not um it's still really worth watching and yeah it's just like I don't want to yeah I don't want to give any like revelations about the film away because that's what's so nice about it but but yeah I've tried to summarize it I've said that I think it's a film about reigniting passions in your life and finding a purpose and a sense of belonging and I found it interesting to begin with because I didn't really like Craig not gonna lie he's he's stressed and I thought he was just a fake he looked a bit cold like his eyes mm. whether just because he's very very blue eyes but I just felt a little bit cold but I think it worked actually in the end because he he grew from it and he clearly gained perspective from it from his octopus teacher there you go um I don't know if it'll win an Oscar I don't think it will just yeah. because it's been a year of a lot of social injustice and I'm going to talk about another documentary that I watched Crip Camp um and I feel like I don't know whether I mean it's it's fantastic but I just don't know whether the voters are going to think you know what actually there's films that are about more pressing issues 
that will be more valuable potentially um so yeah so that's my assessment but I, I really enjoyed it and it's just lovely uh I'm very adverse to watching nature documentaries exactly for the reason that mm. animals die and it's I know it's nature and you have the predators and you obviously the not the victims but I don't know what to call them yeah <laughs> um they were on the food chain <laughs> yeah exactly you got yeah. the free chain and all of that and since I was really little I just couldn't watch it I found it too cruel mm. and so going into this I was like oh my god I know it's going to be one of those because it's a nature one it's got animals like if it's a, a fiction film and like they're killing people I'm like yeah that's fine if they kill a dog I'm like you bitch oh I hate yeah this no film. that's unnecessary that's entirely unnecessary <laughs> yeah. to kill a dog. Do exactly it's like an unwritten rule <laughs> And then with its nature, and you just can't avoid it, such as in this case, I just, I, it just kills me. And I know, I was just so sad. And it made me think about life so much and all about that, you know, the food chain and the natural worlds and how you, how all of that works. You're not, and being a vegan, that's something that is hard to accept for mm. sure. And I think it definitely, the reason why I became a vegan was a reaction to that and not wanting, wanting to be part of that world. But at the same time, I realized watching this that I was like, wow, not that I'm not going to not be a vegan anymore. I just thought, well, this is me being, being a vegan is me removing myself from the natural world and thinking mm. I'm in some other world that wow. where, you know, this kind of cruelty that is totally normal to life, I guess, yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> and it just got me really thinking mm. uh, about that and just how much me trying to get out of that world is making me feel like I don't belong to it. Oh. I know. And it just, that, that's what made me sad. Mm. And there was this one particular line that he said, I don't even know. I don't think it's a spoiler me saying this because it's just a lion yeah um it's basically that god it might be maybe delete this if it's okay it's too much okay Okay. what she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place not a visitor that's a huge difference Mm. that line really like that the octopus's tentacle like definitely touched my heart on that one (laughs) yeah every little individual sucker yeah but it's just so true Mm. Uh, and yeah it just made me realize the lengths that I've gone to remove myself from feeling like I'm an animal that belongs to the world and that is part of this cycle of life Mm. and all of that and how much like I even stop myself from killing things like flies mosquitoes like whatever because of it and yesterday night there was this one mosquito. I mean, this is the story of my life right now. I'm like having a mental breakdown because yeah, of my octopus deacon and killing the mosquito. <laughs> but yesterday night, there was a mosquito biting the heck out of me. And I was like, I saw it flying close to my foot. And I was like, I just killed it. Mm. And I never kill mosquitoes. Oh. And that, You're like- that was so, I was like, what the heck did I do? Oh. It's like, I regret it, but at the same time, I don't. So it's like a defo split in me, but I was like, this yeah. is so normal. But at the same time, it's the poor thingy. And I was just like, oh my God, the octopus teacher thing. Oh my God. <laughs> you, what have you done what is happening? Tiny, tiny octopus. What have you done? <laughs> yeah. 
no it, so it definitely touched me and made me think about life yeah yeah it's, it's weird because it made me it's made me feel like it's things I think similar things but in a different way I think I just thought you know actually it just made me feel better about my life it did like make thinking, you feel better about your it life. did yeah mm-hmm. like thinking like we're all organic mm-hmm. we, we all die and death is something that I'm petrified of like I cannot mm-hmm. like it's always ever since I was a kid it's the, been the thing that freaks me out because it's inevitable it's you can't logic away any of it it just it's going to happen and it's just depressing but just to me I know it's not to a lot of people but it's, it's it's interesting watching that and thinking you know everyone has a purpose and that purpose could literally just be to like live your life and be just just be and that's okay mm-hmm. and that you don't like it's life is like I'm always like I've always thought to myself like oh I just want a simple life like I just want to live somewhere nice be outdoors eat simple veggie food and not feel like I'm harming anything and mm-hmm. actually like that's okay and there's actually like quite a lot of power in that like this little octopus is like the star of this film <laughs> basically <laughs> that's dominated for an Oscar and it was just living this simple life living to eat living to you know obviously like not to spoil it but yeah like there's more there's a higher consciousness to this thing than you would expect mm. but it lives and then it 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 serves its purpose and then it dies like and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that and there's like it's quite reassuring I think that the in the in the world of money and achieving and validating and stuff like it's okay to just be like you know what actually like I'm an organic human being I'm I was an animal thousands of years ago like it I'm made up of that stuff I can just be as well and that's okay and maybe that's what I need to be striving for rather than achieving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and what you said now just made me have an idea as well because it didn't pretend that it wasn't gonna die and it didn't try to fight it Mm. like we do yeah we try to like live forever Mm. and all of that we're pretending to be more than we are Mm. and the natural world doesn't do that and it's just so interesting that we come become so far removed from that that we try to avoid death at all costs when it's just part of life yeah (laughs) if you live you have to die yeah (laughs) yeah it's like it's two sides of the same coin yeah yeah all right do you want to talk Um, about your next your next film Yes, I want to talk about uh, The White Tiger, yes, which dude. is the best film freaking released this year, I believe. Anyway, so mm-hmm. freaking good. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say anything about the story because it's going to spoil it because it's so freaking good. <laughs> and it's just such a fun film. I like I've not seen a fun film. So it's such a long time. And it also makes fun of it. So it's an Indian film. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Ramin Bahrani. I don't know if that's how you say Sounds it. Sounds right, yeah who was nominated for best adopted screenplay and it's only after you see it the first time (laughs) and lie in the dark and think about it and all of the nuances and implications of the story in your in your life that you actually start to see like oh my god this film is amazing and so brilliant Mm. and it's essentially about this guy that lives in a small village in India that eventually in India apparently you have these like landlords of the whole village that you have to give out money to in order to live in the village and if you don't you get 
murdered okay. and this guy sees this boss and the boss has a son around his age and he's like i want to be a driver for him and then he becomes a driver for him and then mm. the story unfolds mm-hmm. and how essentially you still have slavery in india yeah. that whole yeah. situation but it's it's a really fun film at the same time okay and you see this character grow and become somebody else <laughs> i don't know if i say anything else but it's so fun so funny fun um and so i'll just read you the synopsis from netflix because i don't want to say anything more than i should so it's about uh, an ambivious ambivious wow <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's about an ambitious driver for a rich indian family he uses his wit and cunning to escape from poverty and become an entrepreneur and it's based on a best-selling novel mm-hmm. and everything in this film is good i think the cinematography is amazing as well i think story is great um um everything was great honestly i haven't seen a story like this i haven't read a story like this before i haven't seen anything like this before it's really good it's kind of in two languages i think it's hindi and something else in english that is something else (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that one one. um so you you, they mix the two but it's really comprehensible understandable and Mm -hmm. just read subtitles like yeah just 2021 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my opinion of it. You've not seen it, right? No, I've not seen it, but I've heard I've heard good things about it. The book, I keep seeing the book pop up. I guess they mm. do that, don't they? They like like push the book. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I do really want to see it. Is Priyanka Chopra in it? Chopra Jonas. Is that that? Yeah. 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 She's, yeah, she's really like good her. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel I feel like I'd like it. I just haven't watched it yet but it's on netflix you really like it you really like it. yeah it's on netflix yeah. everybody go watch it right now i thought it was going to be like i have I've not seen it but i thought it was going to be a similar story of like slumdog millionaire yeah or similar vibes Next to riches sort of set in india mm-hmm. yeah like a but even this film makes fun of that film. nice that's good that's so good that's really interesting yeah progression oh god just like Go watch it right now. Like, <laughs> listening to us. Go freaking watch it. It's amazing. Well, I Next will one, yeah. yeah, move on to another documentary that I watched. So this is a film that uh, is very different to, well, kind of different. Similar themes of like belonging and purpose, which I feel like are just the themes of like humanity. So like it's probably in every film ever. Um, maybe not a Quentin Tarantino film. Uh so there's um <laughs> is this why you don't like the Quentin Tarantino films? I just can't relate and then maybe that's why um <laughs> but yeah so when I was talking about my octopus teacher and I said you know there's a lot of things about social injustice and you know people trying to better their own lives um or collectively better better minorities lives this film is probably the film that I would think would pip it over the line um just if the Oscars were going off doing things that applaud things so which is very vague thing of me to say but you know like I kind of have this picture in my head that the Oscars are like oh that's a film about a disabled person okay yeah we'll give them that based purely on my irrational dislike of Eddie Redmayne purely because I think (laughs) he's he won two Oscars one for playing a disabled man and one for playing a trans woman 
and I just yeah. think it's Oscar bait Cheap like shot. I just think these films are Oscar bait <laughs> like it's it just, is it is it's like and oh, he's not that good an actor no, that's the problem no, he's, he's just himself and, and that's fine I'm sure yeah. he's lovely and I'm I, sorry I, we have a thing against him I don't know uh, we <laughs> I just know. don't like his acting I, I, just, I don't know I don't know whether he's just not found a, a role that's pushed him yet or whether he ever never will I mean there's a lot of people like I would say George Clooney who have spent their whole career playing the same people and that's fine <laughs> but not for me anyway back to Crip Camp so it's called Crip Camp a disability revolution and I thought I'd watch it because it was on Netflix not gonna lie um and I was like oh it's the 70s like cool okay that'll be interesting and I was amazed it's so so interesting so as I said it's on Netflix um it's an hour and 46 minutes so again you don't have to sit down and invest a whole afternoon you can just watch it like I did on my phone in bed and um it's been nominated for best feature documentary so the film chronicles the fight of disabled fight for disabled rights, um, which started in the late 1960s. So it was written and directed by James Lebrecht, I think is how he says it, and Nicole Newham. Um, it also stars James. He's like one of the main um, guys in it. Um, so it's basically made up of like archival footage of a group of people who met at a summer camp, which was specifically for young people with disabilities. So it was in um, New York state uh, and the camp was called Camp Jined. So Camp Jined was founded in 1951. And so it'd been around for a while at this point, um, but the documentary focuses on the campers and the counselors of one particular year. I couldn't find what year it was, but they mentioned wanting to like experience Woodstock, which was 1969. So I'm guessing it was like 69 to 71, sometime around there. Um, so James is the main focal point that like we, we start with. So he was born with spina bifida. So he uses a wheelchair um, most of the time. And he's actually now, you kind of see at the beginning, he's a really successful um, sound designer, like a theatre sound designer. So he's got like a really successful career. So it's kind of good. Like you start off thinking, OK, this isn't like a depressing story about injustice and failure. Like there's a positive spin on this. Um, so he yeah, so he came to the camp like he had. He said he has lots of friends at home, no one that was disabled, but he was popular, like didn't think anything of it. And then he basically heard about Camp Jeanette and like you see at the start, he's kind of like, oh, someone said, oh, you'll probably be smoking weed like with the counsellors. And he was like, cool. Yeah, want to do it. I want the Woodstock experience. I, I want to I want to throw myself in it. So off he goes um, on this bus from the kind of the city into um, into this countryside, into the mountains. So you meet a number of like notable people that you follow. So there's a lady called Judy Human. Um, so she also uses a wheelchair and she had polio as a child. And then there's Denise Shara Jacobson who has cerebral palsy, so also uses a wheelchair. And, um, but also like struggles with speech and movement and things like that. And uh, we basically follow these people uh, for about 20 years. Like it spans about 20 years, the whole documentary as they join together to fight for the Disability Act, which was actually only coming, uh, only became law in 1990, which is crazy. So, um, so basically, yeah, like to most people, it's not a surprise if you consider that the world was not built with everyone in mind. Like we know this, like the world was built for a quote unquote yeah. able-bodied people, people that didn't have any 
difference basically everyone that were just people were like you know genetically yeah. generic um so when you meet like the main cast of people in the documentary they discuss like being able to use public transport like they're all from new york and no one can use the subway or the bus um they there's only like one school that they can go to so they can't go to any public school and they were either picked on or comments were made out of ignorance rather than like meanness like um Judy she was saying that she never thought there was anything wrong with her she was just in a wheelchair and that that's whatever until someone was like oh are you, are you sick and she was like no I'm I'm not sick and then suddenly she thought god this is what people people think I'm in a wheelchair and there must be something wrong with me um so basically what Camp Jeanette did it offered a place where like suddenly all these people weren't different anymore so everyone took care of everyone no matter what the need like their additional needs were so uh it was basically just this completely all-inclusive free-for-all like they talk about like like hooking up with people like all of this stuff that you would normally that they never would have experienced it was suddenly like there were no boundaries there was no barriers it was like just go for it be a kid like be a teenager like do whatever you want mm -hmm. and we'll help you like we'll make sure that you can do that because these people need help um so judy is one of the leaders that we see at this point and she basically her like thing was that she wanted everyone to feel like they had a voice at the camp so she said like even some of the campus so there's a camper called nancy who i think she had really severe cerebral palsy i think and she was basically like almost non-verbal like it was incredibly difficult to understand like the subtitles throughout but there aren't any subtitles for her because honestly like you can barely understand what she's saying but other people with cerebral palsy kind of do and it's amazing because like in in like in the film world when everything's like fast cut and there's no like empty space or things are all put together and captioned and put in a nice little bundle it's so nice to just like sit and like listen and like try and understand someone and then you see the whole group go kind of like oh okay did anyone pick up what she was saying and someone's like oh I think she was saying this and she's like and is that right and she's like yeah 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 and then they have a discussion about it and it's just lovely oh, you just think nice. yeah. it's just what a great place and basically all of them like were experiencing all of this and thinking this is wonderful for a summer and then they all kind of thought like hang on like life is like this for it for most people all the time and it's not like this for me and I'm an American I I like the bill of rights apply to me but I I can't do that so basically there was this the 504 which was an amendment on the bill of rights like a disability amendment that was like this includes like you have to make a change like you need to assist when you can so it basically yeah, got you have to accommodate yeah yeah everybody's a citizen yeah yeah but so it got passed in the 70s in like 74 but it was never like lawfully pursued so no one did anything mm -hmm. um so they're like oh yeah cheers thanks and everything but like you're not actually checking if anything's done and it's incredible i mean there's a sit-in that i knew nothing about for like 22 days they sat in at this government building to protest about it and it's just amazing and like judy was saying like they're a minority but they're the biggest minority in america like that's important like we're not just a group a small group of people that you think don't matter like there's a ton of us and we deserve the rights like everyone else and just because it's not straightforward doesn't mean that or it's going to cost more or whatever doesn't mean that you, you should ignore it and i think 
you see it kind of towards the end skip through the years a little bit more and then you get to 1990 when they finally signed the disability act which i guess is similar in most countries where it's like you can't discriminate if you, you like everyone has the same opportunity you have to make sure that they have that opportunity you can't just say well yeah sure oh you can't do it oh well never mind i guess it's not for you like mm-hmm. you have to actively do something to make life the same yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the same for everyone um but yeah i won't give too much more away about it that's like the premise of it it's a documentary it's a historical documentary it, it, it follows a very regular format um but yeah i didn't really know anything about it and i think that was quite good because you just see these things and it's it's a shock it's a surprise you're like wow i, I like I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. I can't believe how ignorant these people are and just stuff like that. It's just, it's really interesting. It's really funny as well. Like I was saying, when they're talking about like getting with each other, like it's pretty funny. They're pretty candid about it. And you're like, whoa, okay. Um, (laughs) You you went there. You were, you know, like (laughs) just completely like no holds barred. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. She had, it's just like, it's just funny Um, because these people are obviously older now. And it's so funny hearing them oh, yeah. talking about it as like older people. It's just funny. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's more likely to win. I don't necessarily know if it should win, but I can just, if I picture it, I think it might win more. The Obamas produced it, executive oh, produced it, which right. I think might sway things slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it came out this year, sorry, last year, which is the 35th anniversary of something. 30th anniversary 30th sorry anniversary of the bill being signed which is why it came out um but yeah it's just really really interesting I've probably made it sound very convoluted but it's pretty straightforward the documentary about a group of people that are like I'm not going to stand for this anymore and you see them over 20 years fight to be listened to really that's a really long time to follow people isn't it yeah for a documentary to for you to have the motivation to keep going yeah through the documentary and to know when to stop as well I know yeah it's it's really good it's I think it was great having this core group of people that were obviously willing to be in it like a few people obviously die and life happens Mm. so some people can't like talk about it now but um but it's just really really good and like even if like the subject matter you're like oh I'll take it or leave it just seeing Mm. America in the 1970s like the fashion the music the way they talked it's just it's just cool it's just cool so and the music they yeah. use is classic like just like 1970s, 70s. rebellion music counterculture it's just it's just really cool like they all um they all moved to berkeley in california because it was like progressive and they start these organizations and it's just really they're just really cool people and it's just yeah it's really like inspiring makes it sound patronizing and i don't want it to sound like that but it is genuinely like really inspiring these people are just like you know what I don't care this isn't okay yeah. and I'm gonna fix it and I'm not gonna stop until I fix it it's just it's just cool really cool so yeah oh, that sounds really good and it sounds like they were trying to create the same environment that is shown in Sound of Metal as well mm. linking mm-hmm. to films um yes yes because in the Sound of Metal the guy goes deaf and he goes to this camp to learn how to be deaf um, basically yeah. sign language yeah, yeah. exactly and the, the people in the camp kept saying that they didn't have a problem mm-hmm. and it was just a different way of being essentially yeah. and the main character struggles with that but 
Yeah. But yeah, it is that. It's just like creating a, a place where they're not the outcast and they just belong and just they should belong anyway in yeah. all society, but they're just exactly. made to feel outcasts as yeah. outcasts. So yeah. Um, and it's not a, it's not a disability, isn't it? It's just a different well, this is this is it, yeah. You're just different, isn't it? And like, and I think what what do they call it? I think they call it the social model. I've like learned quite a lot about it at work through like our access stuff at work. But this idea mm. of you know a person's disabled by their environment, like they themselves are not a dis- um, they you are not mm-hmm. disabled. You're disabled by the world around yeah. you. Yeah. So, you know, like someone, like I think one of them was saying that a teacher was like talking to them at school and they were like oh yeah, yeah yeah get one of the wheelchairs in like get one of the get yeah we need one of the wheelchairs in here but like a, about a person mm. and I know there's so about, much yeah like just seeing the, just seeing the disability rather than and I know that still happens now because I mean I'm still having training on it so clearly it must happen mm. more than you'd think this idea of not speaking to someone directly if they've got a carer with them or if someone's in a wheelchair mm. the experience that people in wheel that use wheelchairs have where they're like they speak you, you're not directly spoken to because people are awkward and they don't know what to do and it's just yeah there's I mean yeah like this is the thing this has been going since the 60s and well well before the 60s obviously people were still living with being disabled for like ever um mm-hmm. but I feel like it's good that this has come out and yeah it's just interesting and actually a point is that this was they were kind of leapfrogging off the work of the civil rights movement um so like you see the black panthers at certain points and everyone banding together for like the common purpose of like changing the establishment which i think is so cool so it gives it all context (laughs) it's so cool it's just so cool it's just so cool and yeah it gives it gives it a lot of context within american history so you don't have to know anything about it before because you can kind of go oh right okay well that was happening mostly the king was then and this happened and then this happened and yeah Mm-hmm. and you see the presidents and you're like oh okay yeah that was then and whatever it's just historically interesting as well as socially interesting so yeah it sounds good so you think it's gonna win I don't know yeah. I don't know I, it was it was really emotional and I know that they love a good cry um at the Oscars mm-hmm. so it, it was emotional but in a different in just a inspiring way and mm-hmm. whereas my octopus teacher was I mean, you literally couldn't get more <laughs> opposite kind of stories. But yeah. I don't know. I'd, maybe neither of them will win. Since we're on this bandwagon, let me talk about a little bit of Sound of Metal. I knew yeah. you were going to speak the, the bulk of it because I left it to you because I knew you are going to love it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've only written that one. Uh, so. no, but it's uh, directed by Darius Mardor, whatever, <laughs> however you spell that. Um, it's available, available on Amazon Video. And again, with Riz Ahmed, Ahmed, or whatever, however you say it, Olivia Cook, Paul Racci, I don't know how you say his last name, mm-hmm. and Lauren Ridloff. Uh, so it's about a heavy metal drummer's life that is thrown, in, thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. Obviously, losing your, your hearing is just like the scariest thing. I've had a really bit bad, what do you call it, um, ear infection and... I barely, I could barely hear anything and it, and it definitely mm. changed like how I felt. It definitely made me feel more compassionate towards people that can't hear, mm-hmm. for sure, mm. for sure. And made me think of like how 
it's hard to interact with the world if you can't hear anything yeah it's just very very difficult and even to speak you become you become more obsessed with speaking properly and just trying to enunciate everything correctly at least when you're during your phase of not being able to hear that much Mm. and you because you can't hear yourself that well either so you just start speaking weird so it's really interesting uh really awful thing to go through as well (laughs) do not recommend uh just I think the losing part is just awful I think maybe if you were already born with it it's not as bad at all it's just yeah I have heard that yeah yeah but losing is just it's impactful um so I could definitely relate to to him Mm -hmm. to his character during the entire film but uh there's a the film is very slow paced as well and I believe it's to be a just just a position to his very clouded and erratic mind and lifestyle Hmm. yes I thought yeah Um, yeah and really the film is just following him through losing his hearing and then going to um this camp to learn how to sign language and to you know deal with this normal this new normal for him and does he accept it does he not is he fighting what's happening Mm. to him is he not and can he learn to be with the quiet because he was so used to to the noise and so loud dumping out yeah and just um just dampening his feelings is that is that how you say it Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, suppressing his feelings with noise and just trying to not think about himself and his life by occupying his mind with noise and so when you get with the quiet when you're just you can't hear anything what is left of you Mm -hmm. I think that's what the film tries to question but yeah is it deserving of an Oscar I don't know Eve, what do you want to say about this film before I say my opinions on it? Okay, so what have I got? So yeah, it's very similar to you. So yeah, he basically loses like 80% of his hearing within like 24 Mm. hours. Like it's really dramatic. And um, yeah, so he's with his, he like, his girlfriend Lou is also his bandmate. And it's like really intense music. Like I was like, oh, okay, metal. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is like loud. Like <laughs> bloody hell, like this isn't like not my cup of tea, but like, wow, that is loud. Um, and yeah, I kind of thought Ruben, who's the main character, like he's interesting, but, and yeah, there's like obviously a lot to him. Like he's an addict and, you know, an ex-addict, a recovering addict or whatever. So obviously there's a lot going on and a lot had, that had been going on in his life that we don't really get to see um but I thought it was most interesting when you saw Joe who was Paul Ratchi I'll go with that (laughs) um and the deaf community that he goes to so like I I thought it was like a detox like rehab center but a rehab Mm. center for the deaf um so he ends it so which which it is I think they're all addicts and they're all oh yeah, because I know that I, because I remember, I think, well, that's what I thought. They call his sponsor, is what I assume. And his sponsor mm-hmm. sets him up with someone in the local area that they go to. Mm-hmm. And then they find that there's someone that can lip read and whatever. Anyway, that's how I interpreted it. Um, but Paul Ratchi, Rassi, Ratchi, um, is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And like, I honestly would love him to win. Like, I yeah, think he's really he good. He's like the heart of the film. He's incredible. Yeah. And he's so 
authentic and kind and it doesn't feel like acting and I think that's what I love about the film it just feels really organic and like there's no narrative interventions like it's just you know Reuben has something happened to him and he sees a way out of it so he does what he can to get out of it and then there's the people that he's actually with who think something different and that there's like there's not really conflict there's not really like peaks and troughs it's just like it is mm. which I think which is like I just love it I love that kind of like sitting with something um but I actually googled Paul Ratchie because I was like he's such a cool guy I wonder like I hope he's actually deaf um before I'm like <laughs> he's amazing because you know how like sometimes you just think oh like you know like none of the actors like Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook are English it was like I just thought mm. like oh I wonder if but he is American and he's in an ASL rock band called Hands of Doom which I think is so cool so he plays heavy wow. metal music and then has like an interpreter or like a signer um so he's him. deaf he is deaf yeah yeah oh wow cool yeah. he speaks so well yeah yeah I'm assuming whether he lost his I'm assuming he must have lost his hearing mm-hmm. in later life um but you know it depends what he can hear maybe he can hear a little bit I don't know um mm-hmm. but anyway yeah I thought it was very slow but I liked that um but yeah I just think it, it must win sound design like surely like it's a, like I it loved it good oh my design. god it's not really what, it's really just what you expect you would have expected from a, a film like that yeah like, but I, I, I just think, think it's incredible extra, do you know what but I mean? to like to sh- I thought like to try and ex- like for an audience to experience lose someone losing their hearing and hear and hear what they hear someone who has something else like a you know an aid and having to hear what they hear and I just think it was so clever it's really good yeah I just thought it was so clever because whenever you weren't hearing what Ruben was hearing everything sounded so like sweet and like beautiful and like intricate all the little sounds like every little creak you heard every tweet of a bird every car everything it would like it made everything so like it made you think god I'm so lucky that I can hear (laughs) because Uh and I just thought that was amazing and I thought considering it's a film about someone losing their hearing I can't imagine any other film in the category being able to like like the sound design was if if there was shit sound design it would just be a story about someone losing their hearing but I feel like it was an experience of living with someone for for a little bit who was losing their hearing and I thought it was just so I just thought it was so good because you could have easily done it like just as some just as a narrative where someone it's all conversations and there's someone signing and there's someone lip reading and you see the frustration and then it's like white noise and then silence I just thought it was just really clever I, mm-hmm. I just loved it I loved it but yeah you're right maybe so, for some reason I, I've I've seen that type of thing being done before so mm. it, for me it's just not that original like it was obvious like an obvious thing yeah it's an obvious yeah. thing to do in my in my opinion mm. um but I did think like the the hearing aid thing was really good. It, it the sound design was well made. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It was it was good. Yeah. Really well done. Whoever did it. But I don't know. I don't. I, in terms of originality, I don't think it was that original. If the Oscars is about originality, I don't know what Which it is. Which it isn't. Now, really. <laughs> so maybe. Yeah. It's... I mean, that's. The, I think what I thought was like. Sound sound design is never praised like very yeah. very frequently very infrequently does someone talk about the sound design of something 
but if you do sound wrong it's like oh you notice that's a bit weird so it would have been really obvious if they'd done it badly and Mm -hmm. I think and considering they had to pay respect to the fact that there are people that are deaf or hard of hearing Mm -hmm. it could have so easily been really insensitive and really inauthentic so I imagine that they would have had to take a lot of time discussing that process with actual people in that community mm-hmm. whereas I just feel like I don't know let me know what are the other ones Greyhound so a war film so yeah two Tom Hanks films and then like this is the this <laughs> is what I thought soul so a Pixar film an animation I just remember the just thinking of the world you could, you could exactly <laughs> like you could you hate that film you could choose to pick a film that is different and that is like championing what you can do with sound design or you can pick a film that is like big blockbuster all the budget that's just like isn't this sound so seamless and isn't it amazing in a Dolby cinema mm-hmm. or you could pick something that's intimate and interesting so I'd yeah. hope that they do that but likelihood is it won't win because it's the Oscars <laughs> and it will probably go to Mank or something or Greyhound cause... oh Mank oh god Mank should not have but why is it even nominated oh, I, don't I, don't know. Know. I don't know but anyway that's all I've got to say about it I think it will win you know what I think this year is going to be a year to change all of that I think mm. I, hope. I think it will win it's either that or Soul probably but I mean I haven't even seen Soul I'm sure it's wonderful but it's, mean it's been done a million times that's nice so but yeah that's that's that was the reasoning why I had those thoughts about um, yeah yeah I know that makes sense I've not even thought of it like that that like how else would you have done it I guess you would have done that yeah, they did it well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did do it well. Yeah. Yeah. But is it well enough? I'll see. No, I think it was, but it won't yes. win. That's, I think this is the thing, isn't it? Like, it I'm so pleased that it's nominated. Yeah. Because maybe I wouldn't have watched it. So I'm pleased it's nominated, but yeah, we won't get our hopes up on because like something will lose and we'll still think it's great. So. Mm-hmm. Or something will win mm-hmm. and we still think it's shit. So. <laughs> anyway, but, what else is there to speak about? Um. Uh, News of the world, I kind of spoke about it before, and it's just, um, it's directed by Paul Greengrass, as I said, nominated for production design, available on Netflix. It's with Tom Hanks and Helena Zangel. And IMDb says, uh, five years after the end of the Civil War, Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, played by Tom Hanks, crosses paths with a 10-year-old girl taken by the Kiowa people forced to return to her aunt and uncle. Kid agrees to escort the girl across the harsh and unforgiven plains of Texas. However, the long journey soon turns into a fight for survival as travelling companions encounter danger at every turn, both human and natural. Mm -hmm. And so I watched this film whilst I was working because I was like, well, kind of a chilled period at work right now so I could Mm -hmm. put something on and just kind of half watch it mm. so half watching it turns out to be the only thing this film deserved <laughs> very harsh Ooh. very harsh <laughs> <laughs> because it just feels like as I was saying a film that I had, I had already seen it's the same mm. thing he can't communicate with this girl because she speaks in a different language mm. and so it's a girl that can't speak essentially and yes she's a bit more feisty than the girl from the the other film the gravity 2 film which is um, (laughs) the midnight sky (laughs) and it's the same thing it's all about him his story about his character the guy's character f the girl essentially even though they're in the quest to return the girl to 
I Have Family, which is the same film as the other one. It's all about him. Mm. And so this feels like a midnight sky, but this one is in cowboy town and the other one is in space. And yeah, it's essentially yeah about this guy, Captain, Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, who's a newsreader. That's why he's, it's, the film's called News of the World. And he goes to towns to read the news because a lot of people were back in the day. I think this is like meant to be 1800 or something. Yeah. Back in the day, a lot of... Um, Illiteracy. There we go, illiterate people. And yeah, and then the story unfolds and you see their relationship progress between him and this kid, even though they're speaking a different language to each other, but not original. Nominated for production design. Didn't think it was that big of a deal, the production design, to be honest. I thought it was quite lazy, the production design. I didn't think, oh my God, I know, being really harsh. <laughs> I mean, That's imagine me if I got like, a film oh. out. <laughs> imagine I get a film out and then people are judging me like, this is really harsh. Um, oh, well. But that is the They're up to be judged. Thing. So <laughs> yes, this indeed. is what this is. The Oscars is a judging it's thing. It's a judging so. thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the lighting as well may, may not have been the best one for the outside because mm. there was a lot of shots outside and it wasn't the best lighting situation for the background, not, not necessarily for the actors, but the background wasn't very well, or like pleasingly lit. Or okay. It's just hard to control when you're in like the outdoors, yeah. but. I've seen films with better production design that were set back in the days than this one, for sure. Mm. And it just... I don't know what the hype is about, really. It's a class, like sounds like a classic Western, which is like is it, the frontier, like man must establish himself as the winner <laughs> or grow in some way. And mm -hmm. usually there's a woman or a child um, or someone that doesn't speak English that allows them... To, to achieve that to achieve that which it sounds like this is that is like and that's mm -hmm. why we probably don't like westerns because it's usually a story yeah. about a bloke other than calamity yeah. jane come on i mean that's technically a musical but like well done doris day like legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so news of the world and the midnight sky are basically westerns one is in space and one is in on earth so and interestingly sci-fi like uh Star Wars is technically classed as a Western. People think that's a Western in space. Really? Yeah, historically Westerns and sci-fi because it's the, it's oh, the frontier similar. mentality of like, there's a land that we, there's, there's the unknown and I must conquer mm. it. Um, we looked at quite a lot of this in my course recently. But yeah, Star Wars was, was like pitched as a, as a Western in space of like, you've got the goodies oh. and the baddies and you've got the young one who must listen to the elders in order to complete his quest. And that's oh my God. every Western ever. Just the quest changes slightly. And that's yeah. mostly, uh, like, I think sci-fi is a very similar, aren't they? Very male orientated. Mm -hmm. Other than, like, gravity. Or, I mean, gravity has George Clooney in it, so it just kind of reminds me. Of yeah. The Midnight Sky... It's almost like it's set 20 years after 
gravity thing yeah like (laughs) if 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 this character had just plonked back onto earth somehow (laughs) 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 hey i made it didn't die after all (laughs) i made it through the atmosphere and here he is (laughs) just old and terminally ill (laughs) and that was from the the radiation yeah Mm -hmm. that was set 30 years after he uh did a load of heists in some banks with his friends. Oceans <laughs> 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 11, 13. Is it 12 as well? 12, oh. yeah. 12 and 13, yeah. Oh, God. God. Bless. So, anyway. <laughs> well, well done yeah. for sticking it out and choosing to watch, ending up watching two films that were basically the same. Ooh. Yeah, essentially. And I also watched a short film. Did you watch a short oh, film? As well? I didn't in the end, no. They no? looked too okay. depressing not gonna lie so the ones I saw on Netflix I was like I can do it another time (laughs) too 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 heavy right too heavy in the storyline yeah a lot of of social issues which uh, which I'm just having I'm having just talked about Crip Camp I was yeah I don't know just wasn't in the mood there's yeah it's enough for like a month (laughs) you can watch a different month so (laughs) the one that I watched was Two Distant Strangers heavily social issue inclined Mm. And directed by Traven Free and Martin Desmond Rowe. And it's nominated for Best Short Film in the live action category. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a heavy influence from George Floyd's murder. This film educates us on how systematic racism of Black, black Americans experienced by the police, mm-hmm. by the cops. Uh, so it's about a man that is trying to go home at uh, to his dog after a one night stand and he gets stuck in a time loop that forces him to relive a deadly run-in with a cop and it feels straight out of black mirror it definitely feels like a black mirror episode Mm -hmm. it's it's around like 30 minutes long almost 40 and i thought this short film was extremely well done at one point it pulled i think too heavily of an influence of like as an inspiration George Floyd's murder Mm. was just way too much of an influence on this film I thought and it was a bit too much and too obvious Mm -hmm. obviously maybe that was a point of the film but I think in terms of storyline it would be nice if it was less obvious Mm -hmm. of an inspiration and it's also very clear that it's meant to be educational at some points. It's almost like um, preaching sort of film at yeah. times. Okay. But it's also a really fun film to watch. Uh, I think the main character, played by Joey Badass, with uh, the S's or dollar, dollar, dollar. signs. <laughs> <laughs> he was extremely likable and very relatable. And Joey played him really, really well. I think he's the best actor in the film for sure, compared to the other ones. Um, but I've also got a really huge stigma against short films because I always think they're going to be like student films (laughs) clearly this one proved me wrong (laughs) yes (laughs) good (laughs) yes Um, and now I'm really more keen on watching shorter stories and really it's almost like watching a series like a tv show episode Mm. and really some stories don't need to be a full-length film it doesn't need 90 minutes to explain a simple concept. Mm. And also the music for it was really good. And I think you should watch it just because of the music. And okay. the music is such 90s, 90s vibe. And it definitely reminds you of a oh. show that you probably used to watch when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I recommend people watch this. It can sometimes be preachy, as I said, 
but it's watchable. The preachy aspects can be a little bit cringy if you're into nuance. And at some points, I really think this film was dedicated to George Floyd because mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of instances, George Floyd's name came up in the background, almost like meant to be subtle, but it wasn't subtle. Yeah. As like graffiti or something like that. Um, but it's at, at the same time, it's funny, it's humorous, it's got comedy, a little bit of comedy into it as well. And I'm not going to tell how it ends or no, what happens because yeah. it ruins it because it's so short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely watch it. Cringy at times, but good. Nominated for Best Short Film. I've not seen the other ones, so I don't know if it should win or not. But it probably will just because of the social aspect and social causes as and yeah, I've all, I've also seen Mank and I've also seen uh, Chicago Seven, is it? Yes. The yes. Trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm -hmm. Mank should not even be in this discussion for an Oscar. Ooh. Like, get out of here. You're just a film for another day. Uh, I think it's just a big. It was meant to be a big blockbuster. It's about Orson Welles, so. People think that it should be in the Oscars, but just because it's also about awesome, it has some kind of awesome Wales aspect to it. It's not <laughs> even like the main character is not even him, yeah. that it should be nominated for something, but I don't think it deserves not this. worth it. A mention. <laughs> Cold. Oh Dropping oh. opinions. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. and the trial of the chicago seven you had mentioned it before in an episode yes. before yeah and i've watched it and it's good mm -hmm. eddie redbane is actually uh watchable he is he does he does have a bit of his personality still in it that you can notice like his hunched back mm -hmm. or like his like shoulders up yeah but then everything else he finally changed a little bit like his accent has also made him change yeah his acting i guess mm -hmm. uh, but yeah it was really good i really enjoyed it actually. oh good i don't know if it was because the film is good or because the the original story was good yeah and so obviously the film's going to be good because the trial was based really on... interesting yeah. yeah yeah it's shocking i think it, i think it would be oh. up because it's up for so sasha brown cohen's up for supporting actor and i thought mm -hmm. he was really good considering he was playing a real person i know they tend to like that kind of thing um mm. But I thought he was really, really good. But I think it's up for cinematography and editing. I think it would be, mm. a, I think it could win editing because I thought the storytelling, the different moods mm. and it really builds tension. Like I thought when they're like in the courthouse explaining something and then we're, you're seeing it. And I just thought it was really good at like taking you through the emotion of it, mm -hmm. building tension. And it was just really like wham, bam, kind of, I don't know. I just enjoyed that. So I wouldn't be surprised if that went editing, but I'm mm. not, I don't know that much about editing. So I got this, I'm limited on what I can say <laughs> other than that would be good because I thought that that was <laughs> good. <laughs> well, I watched, similar to you, a couple of films which are up for smaller ones that I'm not going to go into too much detail about, but mentioned it earlier, um, Emma. So mm. Josh O'Connor and Johnny Flynn are both in Emma. So it's wonderful. Um, and they're really good in it. So there's, yeah, so you've got uh, Josh O'Connor plays Mr. Elton. Anya Taylor-Joy is Emma. Um, Johnny Flynn is Mr. Knightley. And then Mia Goff plays Harriet. Uh, 
And if you're familiar with Emma, it's the story of Emma. I mean, they're not going to change it that much because it's a great story. Um, but it was directed by Autumn DeWild, who I'd not heard of before, but having a look through her, she did a lot of music documentaries in the past, like music video, sorry. So she did a lot of music videos for Beck. Um, so she's kind of in that scene, which would maybe explain the kind of experiment, slightly experimental, like costume set design that they went for. Um, but it's just wonderful. Like the only other Emma adaptation I know is Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma, um, mm. which is very quaint and like nothing wrong with it at all, but it's very classical period drama. Like everything is costumes correct. It's like it, everything is there to make you believe that it was set then. Whereas mm. with Emma, I feel like the new Emma, sorry, Emma 2019, 2020 or whatever, Emma full stop, which I think is what they are, what they put, um, is like a period drama, but interesting. Like, what have I put here? So I've said that the costumes are like really, like they're not really, really over the top that it's distracting, but they're over the top. They're like high femme like high color, like it's, everything's very like saturated and really, really is interesting. It, is it a bit like Sophia Capoe's? Um... It's a bit like Marie Antoinette. Yeah, yeah. Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette. Um, but you just don't expect it. But I think what's good about the costume design and why I think she should win. So it's Alexandra Byrne, um, who's actually already been nominated for costume design for Mary Queen of Scots in 2019. She did not win. Um, but she's worked on Marvel films and all sorts. So she's like well-known in the industry. But what I thought was clever was that the costumes, well, the outfits, the clothes were fun. And Emma mm. is a young girl. And I feel like in all the other adaptations and period drama adaptations, they tend to get so stuck on telling it authentically that you kind of miss the fun in it. And Emma mm. is this fun, young, indecisive, nosy person and she she she's a like she's a girl like you'd want to dress fun you'd want to like make yourself look great like there's nothing wrong with that um so I just thought that was really really good um and yeah I kind of thought like it made me think about Bridgerton because they're both period dramas that are for a modern audience but I feel like where Bridgerton chose to be really like smutty and sexy mm -hmm. Emma was able to do it like just through the costume which mm. I enjoyed a lot more because um, I have seen Bridgerton and it was great. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that sex stuff was way too over the top. And yeah, it was. You could have you shown the youth in it in a different way. And I know some of the costumes were a bit more interesting, but I did think Emma must have had a lot to do with that because it's just, mm. it's just beautifully shot. It's, it's, it's just gorgeous. So that's Emma. And then very briefly, Eurovision. I mentioned it earlier. Eurovision, uh, I think it's called The Tale of Fire Saga. It's Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And yes. it's like silly. Have you seen it? No, I've been avoiding watching it because it just fine. looks like the kind of thing that I, I wouldn't enjoy. Yeah. But well, is it, it good? I really enjoyed it. It's like not as silly as, as, as you expect from a Will Ferrell film. Like it's actually quite wholesome. And there's like mm. a lovely story to it. And I mean, I was crying by the end. It was just, oh. I, I love Eurovision anyway. Like I just think Eurovision's hilarious. Um, so I was like sold on the concept anyway. Like I just loved the idea that an American was like, this show is mental. Why has nobody written about this yet? Um, 
because I know Will Ferrell was like developed all of it he was like really keen to get it going um but it's, it's like silly but it's not too silly and yeah I mean it's a comedy it's, it's a Will Ferrell comedy like there's no hiding it but it, I just felt like it had more heart to it and the songs are really good and it's it, like the funny comes in the songs and what's so funny about it is this song Husevik I won't tell you where it comes in the film in case you watch it or anyone listening watches it but it's actually a really good song which is what I think is so funny about Eurovision that you're like oh this is ridiculous ridiculous song ridiculous song and then you're like this actually isn't a bad song and I think that's yeah. like what works it's up against soul so it won't win but um mm. but I like that it's been nominated I do enjoy that it's that it's there yeah. it's and then lastly Maybe I'll give it a watch yeah I mean if you want something that's like meh, you know yeah <laughs> It's just it's just funny and silly, but like but like really funny. Like actually, I thought that it was actually funny, not just like okay, good. silly kind of. Yeah. Ha, ha, I guess I'll laugh because I probably should. It was like an actual mm. spontaneous laughter. Um, but yeah, lastly, um, Borat's subsequent movie film. Oh yes, I think it's called A Few Other Things. I watched that quite a while ago. Um, but M- Maria Bakalova is up for supporting actress, and she's the first Bulgarian to ever be nominated for an Oscar oh, which is cool yeah um don't think she'll win not gonna lie like she's very good in it have you seen it no I've not okay so it's Borat so it's basically the same as the first um but they're in America and I mean it's it's a it's a really really good film I know it's up for a few other things um as well I mean Sasha Baron Cohen is just like I feel like he's rocketing into like actual people take him seriously as like an actual writer now and I think like Borat is amazing. Like I've seen him speak about it at the Golden Globes when he was saying that like, he, even though there was coronavirus and the pandemic going on, he was so desperate to go to America during Trump's reign just to show mm. how ridiculous it is. Like there's nothing better than a ridiculous fake character acting sincere and actually seeing people think that he's telling them, like that he's being real, responding mm. to him. Like about, he, you know, Borat would go in with these ridiculous claims and conspiracies and people there are like no that's true no we really think that and you're like holy shit oh, okay. Okay. um so it's really good I like watch it then. I'm not like a massive massive Borat fan but it was mm. interesting but Maria Bakalova plays his daughter who sneaks into America he doesn't want her there because he doesn't believe that women have any rights um and so there's this, there's still, it's still the same Borat character, basically. Uh-huh. And he wants to meet Donald Trump. Um, I think it's actually what it is. So he's constantly trying to find a way to, to meet him, to do something or like pardon him for something, I think. But she's there, the daughter, and she does all of these things with these American women where they're like, no, you can do that. Like you can learn to read, like you can learn to drive, you can do all those things. And she's, I think she's, she's really, a, must be a great actress to be able to play, play someone with people that like- Are not acting. Are not yeah. acting. It's really, I mean, and she keeps a straight face. There are some ridiculous things. There's a whole thing about how she thinks that vaginas have teeth. And <laughs> she is in a room full of women that are all like, oh no, honey, no, no. Like Southern women that are like, no, honey, that's not, we don't talk about that in public. Like, no, no, no you shouldn't talk oh, about that wow. and, and it's just it's, it's just really really clever and she learns to drive and she's like how in a minute like you're a woman and you're driving she's like let me out the car like this is and she's got blinkers on so ah. she's like a horse and it's just it's just ridiculous but you think she is like so good 
to keep a straight face and not there's no break in like believability it's just like it's difficult because people seem borat so they know it but yeah i wonder if she got trained on like she had like this uh like a training week or something or where he must have done yeah Yeah. like improv training like an induction (laughs) yeah like this is what to expect but I mean Sasha Baron Cohen was saying he was like we had to wear like gun vests like bulletproof vests and we had to literally drop stuff and run because people I think as soon as people twigged up like caught on to the fact that he was taking the piss Uh these people these like gun-toting republicans would be so I mean it goes so far it's so so funny it's so it's just really really a film of its time it's brilliant because you just think like this is america like uh, and there is no apology i didn't know, this was, I didn't know that 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 was the, the, the topic of yes. this borat film i'll definitely yeah. watch it now it seems yeah. intriguing it's, it's more really like good. a documentary isn't it it is it is yeah with just some like silly characters sort of yeah. telling you the story. Like there's like, I think, I think the best parts of it when are other bits when they're not acting with each other, um, mm. which is why I don't know whether she'll win because mm. that wasn't the strength of the film. The strength of the film was them sort of in the field <laughs> having to yeah. just like do these ridiculous things and say these ridiculous things and be like, you know, like it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's mad. But anyway, I've talked enough about oh, it. Very interesting. So yeah, I'd be interested to see. I'm like, I like that there's a good spectrum of films being yes. picked up in different, even if it's just one or two categories. Like I like that there's a lot that's being picked up. Yeah, very so. different things picked up for the same categories. Yeah, very, yeah. very strange, isn't it? Yes. yes. Just a little side note: the most viewed Oscars edition was the was in 1998. Oh. For the 97 films. Oh, okay. Because Satanic came out and it won oh. like a hundred zillion Oscars and all of that. And yeah. But yeah, it had the most viewerships. Viewership? It had the, the biggest audience ever for the Oscars uh, ceremony. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just cut out my sneeze. That's very interesting. I, that's interesting actually because um, when I was reading about this whole like diversity thing that they're trying to improve, someone was saying, like speculating that that like views are going down like slowly that I think they're very aware that the relevance of an outdated award industry award system is is like people are starting to go actually I can't be asked with this and yeah. I think the golden globes had like really poor ratings so I think they were probably quaking in their boots a little bit that the Oscars was going to be the same and I did think it was slightly unfair that they told everyone that you had to be there in person I know they've changed it now to like little hubs around the world but they said to her yeah they basically said you're not allowed to attend by zoom so so people were like we're in the middle of a pandemic like I literally can't fly and then Mm -hmm. so now they've got a hub in London that people have to attend in London so it's either you attend or you don't attend and you're a non-attender so there's a London one I think there's a couple in mainland Europe and then Mm -hmm. there's and then there's the American one so they'll be like streaming from a venue but everyone mm-hmm. had, they were like, you can't, you have to dress like you're at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously least, some people well, were. I yeah. know, at least dress up. <laughs> well, this is the thing. We Chloe, don't want to see you in your PJs. Like, well, Chloe, Chloe Zhao, she didn't dress up at all. She and didn't I'm, for the BAFTAs, right? And I know there's obviously like a thing about women being told that they need to dress up and whatever she chooses to wear is whatever she chooses to wear. But I would be pushed to believe 
that that was her Oscars BAFTAs outfit. I feel like she was just wearing Maybe it. Maybe it is, yeah. She just had, but which is fine, obviously. But, you know, I don't know. People are more forgiving with these Zoom things. But exactly. I, you know, it's a tradition event. as well. Like, it's nice yeah. to dress up. Yeah, yeah. Some traditions are nice. You don't have to say F you to everything. Everything. True. Very true. Cool. And that's it, I guess. Um, yeah, our rundown of films that we've managed to watch. There's more that we can do, watch, obviously, but yeah. Do we want to say who we think is going to win just for the main categories, directing yeah. category, and director, picture, picture, actor, and actress? Yeah. Yeah. For the category of actor in a leading role, the nominees are. Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Hopefully that's how you pronounce it. You got Chadwick Boseman in for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Gary Oldman in for Mank or in Mank. Stephen Ewan in Minari. I. What do you think first? You go first. Oh. Um, I have a couple of guesses based on how cynical I want to be. So yeah, me too. I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously Anthony Hopkins. If you're going to be cynical, uh, at least that's my point of view. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins. I've not watched The Father, so I'm not sure. No. Uh, I don't think Gary Oldman will win. I think maybe Stephen Ewan might win for Minari because I hear it's a good film. Yeah. So uh, I think it might be Stephen. Yeah, I think I uh, the authentic me, the like real me, mm-hmm. like taking myself seriously. I think he would, just because I've heard really good things. I'm desperate to see it, but it's too expensive. Yeah. I'm not going to pay like twenty quid to to watch it once on my phone. Um, but yeah, I think he'll win. But the very cynical part of me thinks that Chadwick Boseman will win. Oh yeah, I see. Because I've I've heard the film is genuinely amazing. And I feel like whether there's going to be whether people are going to be able voters will be able to like detach themselves from feeling like they want to give him credit where credit's due. Um, so perhaps which film is, is amazing? You see, Martin. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard really good things about it. So they're my two. They're my two. I don't think Riz will win. I don't think Anthony Hopkins will win. No, I don't. And think I don't think Gary Oldman will win because you said he's like barely in it. Oh no, Amanda Say. No, Gary. No, no, yeah, the guy that plays Orson Welles is barely in it, but Gary Oldman is not playing Orson Welles. Okay. Um, I don't think he deserves an Oscar. Okay. All. So I actually agree with you. Maybe it's Shadwick or Stephen. Cool. Right, well, should we, do lead- should we just do leading rather than supporting? Yes. Okay, so actress in a leading role, the nominations are... Viola <laughs> <laughs> Davis for Ma Rainey's Back Bottom. Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. What do we think? It's going to be Frances. It's going to be Frances. And she won't bloody attend, will she? She didn't attend the BAFTAs, did she? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But yeah, so Frances. I think I'll she'll call. win. Yeah, I'd love Carrie Mulligan to win. 
Me too. Just because I like her. <laughs> I haven't seen the film Me yet, too. but I hear like such good films, but I, things, but I just like, she's so cool and she's English and she's like, I don't know. Yeah. She's great. She's just good in everything. Yeah. And apparently she's super involved in the filmmaking process. She wants to be there even when the film, when it's not her days to, to shoot. Oh. So that's really nice. And we nice. like people who are dedicated to their craft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the nominee is for best uh for best director for directing uh another round by Thomas Vinterberg, Mank by David Fincher, Minari by Lee Isaac Shung, Nomadland by Chloe Zhao, and Promising Young Woman by Emerald Fennell. Hmm. I think I think Chloe Zhao will win. Mm. because they're desperate to give it to a woman and her film clearly is very good that's so cynical of me um but I feel like she'll probably win I've heard very good things about another round and he they seem like a lovely production like another group of like a lovely group of people so I just he just seems mm. like a nice man um but having said that promising and woman emerald fennel that would be really cool wasn't didn't she want win the BAFTA for directing? yes I think she won it for screen I think she, I think she won it for adapted screenplay did she? I didn't see all of it. No, she wrote it, didn't she? Oh, did she? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know anything about it, to be honest, other than that she was Camilla in The Crown. <laughs> so I'm like, it's you. <laughs> I didn't even recognise her. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you're an actor? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's going to be Promising Young Woman. Let me see yeah. who's nominated for film or Best Picture. But having said that, Minari might win. I think Minari is going to win Best Picture, yeah. Uh, Yeah, okay, fair, yeah. So if you want to say the Best Picture one. Yes, so. The nominations. Best Picture nominees are The Father, I'm not going to say everyone's names, all the producers' names. So there's The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising in Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. There's quite a few up for grabs. <laughs> well, not no, there's one up yeah. for grabs, but there's quite a few in contention. God. Um, damn, this one's hard. Uh, I think it's either going to be... Uh, so there's three of them that stand out to me straight away. Mm-hmm. Minari, Nomadland. Ooh, four. Um, Trial of the Chicago 7 and Judas and the Black Messiah. Not that I've seen Judas. Oh, I'm desperate Messiah. to see it, though. It looks great. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't even know if I've seen the trailer, but these are the ones that I'm going for based mm-hmm. on the hype. <laughs> I've only seen one, which was the trial of the Chicago Seven, but I think so. It's either going to be Minari, oh, Judas and the Black Messiah, or Nomadland. Wait a second. I know. I'm narrowing it down. Hmm. Mm. God, I want to say Minari, but I think it's going to be Judas or Nomadland. Oh my God, I don't know. It's the three. Okay, that's all right. Because then you, you've what got. Do you... I don't. To be honest, I don't really know. That's the thing. I've only seen Sound of Metal and Trial of the Chicago Seven, and I can't imagine either winning. I don't know whether no, Judas yeah. and the Black Messiah will win because I feel like it's too niche. Mm. It's like really good, but I don't know if it's too niche. Um, mm. I can't imagine might be, winning. 
Mank, Mank yeah. would send out the wrong message if that one, like surely, like yeah. we love old Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I reckon it'll just be Nomadland or Minari. I'd love promising young women to win, but whether yeah. give it to her as a first time nominee, like, did you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't. I know. don't think it's no. I don't think she's going to win that. Whether um, Parasite won last year, so Minari's not going to win this year, just because they're both foreign language films. You know, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like the reasons why, like in people's heads. I wonder how fairly they vote, but I think it, I think it will be Nomadland. I think it will be yes. similar to what was she in? Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. That yeah, she, yeah. That she won for that was like, I mean, amazing. But yeah, it was really good. I feel like her films are films that people are like, that's amazing. Like she's not in that yeah. many, so. Maybe. But Nomad Land also feels like a niche. I don't know why, but it's yeah. Scenario. Yeah. There's a lot to pick from. Is yeah. there normally that many? I feel like there's not normally that many. I think there's a lot. I don't, yeah, I also don't feel They're, like they're just like throwing them in. Like yeah. Sound of Metal. Like it's great, but like you're right. Like why, why is that for best picture? It, like yeah. make it, because it kind of devalues the things that they're nominated for. If it's yeah. like, oh, well, it's in best picture as well. Like we'll just shove it in, shove it in. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, that, you know, I, I guess everyone, you know, they've, they've obviously had a lot of people vote for it. So great. But... And uh, maybe the I father. Like you never know. We've not maybe, seen who knows? I don't really I'm know anything seen. about it. It looks quite good, but it's, it's tough. Yeah, go on. If you had to pick one, go on. And we'll just talk about it next week, just on the off chance that we've won. Nomadland. Nomadland. I'll go yeah. for Minari then. And then we've covered. Yeah. I, I want Minari to win, but I think it's going to be Nomadland. Yeah. Nomad. Land. Nomad yeah. land. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, that's it. Thank you very much for listening to our Oscars special. Oscars special. Yeah, it's a long one, so, but it's fun. Yeah. I feel like we've yeah. given ourselves the opportunity to just talk about film, which is what we kind of end up doing every week. But this week we've like yeah. thought, no, come on. <laughs> gonna get it straight, gonna watch a load of films and mm-hmm. just get really into it. And that's what we did. And yeah. I think, yeah, don't forget to tune in for on the 25th of April for the Oscars or find out who won afterwards and <laughs> you can compare what you thought, what am I saying? And you can see if who you thought was going to win wins or not and let us know if you're disappointed as well or mm. not or, and if you're happy with who won the Oscars and if you think the whole Oscars voting is rigged yes. and yes let us know uh, email us on showing up Babs Eve, Eve at gmail.com <laughs> so yeah email is there if you've got any opinions if you disagree um, I said last week that we'd be uploading on Instagram that's not happened yet but you can follow us and maybe if we if we get followers maybe we'll start doing something um, but we do have an Instagram that is our collective Instagram, which is showing at Babs Eve. If you prefer to DM us, we'll see it that way. Um, yeah, so well done if you've made it all the way through, because I feel like this is quite a mammoth one. But we love film and we very much enjoyed it. So I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, next week, what are we talking about next week? I feel it's like we've got Earth Day. We're talking no. about climate. The cli- <laughs> it's a climate special. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> So tune in if you're interested in that. We'll also be talking about my birthday. Not that anything major is happening, but it's, you know, it's fun just to have a bit more of a catch up because we've not really caught up this week about what we've been up to, have we? So, No, not really. 
so it'll be a more relaxed one maybe next week for sure and less less of a mammoth one it's going to be a little mm. sloth one mm-hmm. <laughs> and and our opinions are our own we yes. don't work or represent anybody and I feel like we've been pretty fair just Wikipedia <laughs> yeah, just, yeah blame them um, blame my upbringing for the reason I like certain films um, but yeah I but think we've been fair yeah I, I think I was a bit harsh sometimes but it's true film that's what film's for it's art it's meant to be polarizing and if it's for a competition essentially then you're going to have to judge and decide so yeah every every film if it's entered into something then what do you expect gonna get two mid-20s late 20 year old girls talking about on their podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) there you go welcome to 2021 (laughs) (laughs) anyway all right everybody thank you for listening um have a lovely day, whatever you're doing right now. And all thank right. you for listening. Rate us. Yes, rate it on you like whatever you're listening to us. And that's it. Cool. Um, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>